Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Let's go to Kent in Texas. He wants to talk about debt. When you got a company that's an A-rated or double A-rated like Chevron is, you know, is it safe enough just to take what Moody's is looking at, the reports, synopsis they give you, as opposed to trying to deal with uh, with metrics? Well, you have to look at the history of Moody's and S&P credit reports. That's what he's talking about here, folks. Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. Great to discover you guys on Spotify today. I have a question in regards to how financial experts set price targets. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 8th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I thank you for tuning in during this hour. We're going to do our best to make it instructive and informative so that you can make better money decisions, not just investment decisions, but money decisions overall. It all ties together. And I'm going to use this hour to execute on our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So when I help you understand what's going on in the market, uh, I, I read market reports, I talk about different stocks that people call in about, I'm going to present this all without bias. I'm giving you the facts as I see them. As always, I can be wrong. Anybody who thinks they can't, well, you soon will be humbled. Anybody who says that they are consistently right when it comes to investing is probably blowing smoke, right? And so that's why I like to be straightforward with you. I'm here for you, the listener, to help unpack the various, various uh, news articles, um, philosophies, strategies, all the things that go into investing properly. I'm here to give you the pros and the cons throughout that I've learned throughout my investing career that I see on my screens with the data that I have. And that's what I'm here to do. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. Yes, you get to shape the show. When you call in, there's going to be things that are on your mind that a lot of other investors are thinking about as well. So not only are you helping yourself, but you're helping others as well learn about different aspects of the investment world. Now you can call right now during the live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question anytime on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. As always, that number never changes either way. 888 99 chart. So let's get right to our first question now. 
Hi, Stephen Justin. Colin, to ask your opinion on Backafrost, BKFKF. It's a Danish fish farming operation, particularly salmon. I'm interested in the international exposure and in the likelihood of, of a solution to sustainable fish farming, especially salmon, given its popularity. But the ratios that I'm looking at don't necessarily make sense to me, but that may be because I'm used to dealing with uh, domestic companies. If you could uh, give us your opinion, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. All right, looking at back of frost. This is an interesting one. They are in the salmon farming business and in the Faroe Islands. Where are the Faroe Islands? I don't know that actually. But that's irrelevant to this point. It's all about the the business of fish farming and their sustainability of that. Now return equity trailing 12 months is 9%, so they're profitable. They have very minimal debt on their balance sheet, which I like. So they're not over leveraged or anything like that. Their EBITDA, let's look at the EBITDA trends, kind of all over the place over the past few years. Pretty much it's gone sideways since 2015. So certainly not a, a big grower here. And enterprise value to EBITDA 24 times. That's a little steep for my liking. Um, just because it's a slow growth business. Revenues year over year up uh, 18% and that's a moderated sum from uh, early last year. Longer term, you know, modest growth. So to me, it's just too expensive. Uh, if you like the sector as a whole and you're thinking of it for from a green perspective, you know, okay. But it's not something I'm going to get excited about, especially at these levels. You know, the chart is strong. 52-week low is somewhere around this $45. Now we're at 81. So it certainly rallied off that. But once again, it's just not cheap enough for me to get excited about it. Uh, it's actually relatively expensive for the amount of growth that you're getting. So I'm going to pass on this mainly because of valuation. Thanks for the call. Now we're here today for this Invest Talk Hour because we know you want and need effective strategies to help deal with the current market, right? We have a shifting market environment. And that's what I'm here to help you navigate. If you're if you just started investing over the last few years, this is a new environment that you are not used to. A lot of people who have come of age in the investing world over the past decade or so are not used to this environment. It's shocking, I think, to a lot of people to see many of these story stocks that have a great story down 30 40% from their high just a month, six weeks ago. And... I honestly think this is March 2000. I know it's March 2021, but this is March 2000. That is when Tech Bubble 1.0 burst. Now, it took three years to ultimately get to the bottom, but that's where I think we are today. We're just beginning the unwind. Just beginning. Markets suddenly looking back and saying, hey, are these businesses reasonably priced? 
even though they're going to grow a lot? Do the valuations make any sense now that the stock price isn't simply just moving up? Right? That was the justification before. It was the story is great. Maybe even the company's pretty good. And the stock price keeps going up. And as long as people are making money, it's easy to ignore the fundamentals, to ignore the valuation. But when the market goes, starts going down, those prices start going down, suddenly, hmm, valuations matter. The pendulum is starting to swing the other way. This is something that I learned early on, that think of a pendulum, right? They're fulcrum. It goes back and forth. And sometimes, you know, the growth side of the market, the speculative side of the market is, it's, it's swinging that way. And as that momentum goes that way, you don't know when it's going to move back the other way and go back towards fair value, right? The middle is fair value. You don't know that. But you know eventually it will get there. What I can tell you right now is that pendulum is going back the other way. And once you start that momentum back the other way, guess what happens? It goes through fair value and out the other side, which is meaning a lot of the growth names will eventually be undervalued. But this takes time. This takes sentiment shift. We are still in the denial phase for a lot of these investors. And so you have to wake up to this new paradigm, this new shift in the market, higher interest rates, higher inflation, and it's really putting a whooping on the tech sector, a lot of these growth names. So you have the NASDAQ down 310 points today, and that was with the Dow was up 306 points. I know I don't like talking about the Dow because it tends to be relatively irrelevant. It's only 30 stocks, but... It just shows you that a dichotomy there. The S&P was down about 20. You know, if this was the S&P of 8 to 10 years ago, it probably would have been up today. But because it's so heavily weighted towards the tech sector, right, the FANG names, such a large portion of the, this, the uh, index as a whole, you saw that solid down day. Even though a lot of commodities, industrials, we had a great day, right, because that's how we're focused. And so this is the environment that is swinging that pendulum the other way. And it goes fast. Remember, it's the stair step up, elevator down. Right? That's what they say. Stock prices take the stairs up and the elevator down. And you're starting to see that with a lot of these names. So don't be surprised. You have the 10-year up again, another headwind to the prices and the multiples that are that a lot of these tech names are trading at and now with a 10 year at 1.59% you have the 30 year at 2.3% up two basis points today continues to kind of grind higher and we have this new paradigm shift of of the 10 year treasury rate now kind of in that one and a half and i think 2% is the, the new high end of that range, which we're going to likely grind to over the next few months. So that's the market. And once again, I encourage you to reassess your portfolios, understand your risk level, 
think about valuations. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're now into the second trading week of March, and your goal of financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies. So we, so we should talk about whatever is on your mind, and we're taking your calls live at 888 Sharp. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 888-99-CHART. Let's head up to Long Beach and talk with Ara. He's looking at Rite Aid. Hi. Yeah, I was uh, curious to get your input on Rite Aid. I bought it around uh, 23. Um, I also want to know about Kirkland, if I can have both of those, K-I-R-K. All right, looking at Rite Aid. This is a drugstore. Uh, company 2469 drugstores in 18 states a lot of them here are on the west coast revenues are doing fairly well during the pandemic although earnings took kind of a kind of a hit um, the biggest problem with Rite Aid is that it's highly levered uh, and you're gonna have to look at this compared to a Walgreens uh, compared to a CVS and to me this is the highest risk of those three those are the kind of the largest uh, uh, drugstore companies here in the U.S. And to be honest with you, I like the other two better. Now, if you're lo- looking to take extreme risk, not extreme risk, but higher than average risk, then this would be the name for you. But I rather own one of those other two, to be honest with you. Now, Kirkland's, this is an off-mall home decor store. Uh, this is one of those names to me that it's already ran. You missed it. It's 52-week low is six, 56 cents. Now it's at $23.15. So quite the ride. Clearly the market, the market was thinking this was going to go bankrupt, and it didn't. But after this run and with this recent reversal, I don't think this is the name that you want to be in. The expectations are already built in of $1.67 earnings for next year. Supposed to earn 91 cents this year. And I want reopening trades. I don't want to play what had happened over the last year, which is more people buying things for their home. And Kirkland's right in the heart of that. And so clearly they're indebted. Uh, and I just, it's just the valuation wise, I just don't want to touch this technically, fundamentally. So neither of these are names that I'm very interested in. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Steve Peasley and I have recorded a new Rapid Fire Hour podcast. In the course of one hour, you move quickly through 30 listener questions. So you'll get our unbiased answers in an energetic format. Tell your friends and family that the new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour podcast is up and free, available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. Now, our phone lines are open, so give us a call now at 888-99-SHARK.
who are listening to Invest Talk. It's Monday. Justin Klein is here. And if you've been watching the news and market volatility, you're going to have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. And my focus point today concerns the story that a Wall Street economist expert is predicting that COVID damage to the labor market will last into 2022. And this is the chief economist from Goldman Sachs. And we had the jobs report on Friday. Non-farm payrolls came in at 379,000 compared with expectations of only 210,000 new jobs. So this was a bit better than expected. Unemployment rate dropped one-tenth of one percent from 6.3 to 6.2 percent. And this should have been expected. I think uh, that that it was going to be a nice, strong snapback in the month of February compared to January, where there was still uh, a decent amount, especially early in the month of shutdowns uh, because of a COVID surge. And kind of later in the month is when the economies across the nation started opening up in, in earnest. And so you had February as a full month. So I, I, would, I was expecting a stronger rebound as well. Now, what's interesting is the economists and many economists are still calling for substantial monetary and fiscal support. And clearly we got that over the weekend with the passage of the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that is likely to be signed this week by President Biden. And that is going to be a, a tailwind, clearly, for the economy. Remember, $1.9 trillion, that's about 10% of the overall economy. We have about a $20 trillion economy. Now, Goldman forecasts US GDP to rise 6.8% this year, which is a big number. But if you look at it in context to where you had you have stimulus of 10% of the overall economy, 6.8, it's not that great. And if you look at incomes minus government transfer payments, so basically payments from the government of all types, not just stimulus payments, it's actually down about 2% year over year. So we still remain kind of in this contractionary environment with this big fiscal bazooka being pointed right at the economy and the government's firing, right? Every, what, roughly six months or so on average, right? We're about, less, actually less than that, every four months or so on average, it's been about a year, this is our third stimulus package in a year. Totaling somewhere in the neighborhood of 25% of the entire economy. That's huge. It's massive. And that's what makes this so interesting of a time. That you've never had this. You've never had such massive fiscal support, some massive monetary support in order to allow the government to spend the way they are. And that's why you really have to kind of see through this all and understand what's going to drive the economy forward over the next three to five years. 
And it's going to be fiscal. Okay? It's going to be fiscal. Because that's the only thing that they can do. Right? We know that. Now let's head up to SID in Canada, looking at KMPH. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? Doing well. You're looking at Kemp Farm. Can you tell me more about this company? Uh, it's a pharmaceutical company and uh, had a one week. And earning per stock is showing good for the next year, but they're not making. I'm thinking it's a good company to increase some positions. I have a small position started, but I want to understand if there is any hidden parameters that I should be aware of before I increase the position. Thank you for your time. Well, this is a biopharma company, $42 million market cap. So uh, it's, it's pretty small, okay? And its revenue, though, is less than $10 million, trailing 12 months. That's kind of not a lot, <laughs> let's say that. They're, they're continuing to lose money. 2019, they made money, lost a bunch last year, expect to make $1.81 this year. If they do that, my question is how sustainable is that? Right? Why did they go from losing money in 18 to making money in 19 to losing money in 2020 and making money expected this year? Was there some big settlement? Uh, did they sell something off? Are they actually getting more revenue? Because they're not getting more revenue to produce that profit unless they're, that's, that's projected to here come in, the, in the, uh, the balance of this year, which obviously you don't see. So I really have to understand what's driving those earnings expectations. If it's true that they are going to make $1.81, this is, and, and that's going to be relatively consistent, this is a very cheap stock. But I really need to dig in. These small biotechs are, are difficult, uh, especially when they just have drugs hitting market. And that's why I would do a little more deep dive, definitely high risk. On the next Invest Talk, this story. Economic indicators point towards potential record sales growth during 2021. According to the National Retail Federation, Americans paid off a record 80 Three billion dollars in credit card debt in 2020. So there's plenty of purchasing power out there. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888.99 chart. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I had a question about the stock LRLC. What's your question? 888.99 chart ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it is official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time 
every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Bob. And I have a one question. When is it best time to convert your regular IRA to Roth IRA so that taxes can be saved? And how, what percentage and how do you calculate the percentage that needs to be transferred? Can we transfer 100% or if not advisable? Please advise. Thanks. Whenever you're putting money into a Roth IRA, whether that's a Roth conversion from a traditional IRA or just money straight as a contribution into a Roth. It's all about your effective tax rate that particular year. And if you're in a relatively low tax bracket, ideally one that's lower than what you expect to have in retirement, then it's a good idea to make that contribution or that conversion. Now, a Roth conversion it can be complicated because you're, you have to consider your tax bracket and what an increase in your income, because remember, if you say you convert $100,000 in one year, which you can do, from your IRA into a Roth, that's $100,000 of income to you to that year. Now, what does that do to your tax bracket? and the amount you spend for all of your other income? It's a big question. So the answer to that question comes from your CPA. And that's a strategy 
everybody should be working with their CPA on is how do I get more money into my Roth at low tax rates? Now, some people they make too much money, right? They have a good job. Maybe they have a lot of income coming in from rental properties or stocks and bonds. And, you know, they're just in a high tax bracket. Maybe they're in a high tax state like here in California or New York. Maybe it's just not the time. Maybe it's not going to be the time for a while. But it's something everyone should be considering and thinking about. And that's what a good CPA will help you do, is figure out where and when to do some Roth conversions or contributions. Let's go to Kent in Texas. He wants to talk about debt. Yeah, Justin, I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts are on using the credit reports you get from Moody's and Fitch and Standard and Poor's as opposed to just looking at the metrics when you're comparing, you know, your interest expense uh, to revenues or debt to equity or current or quick ratios. Can't, when you've got a company that's an A-rated or double-A-rated like Chevron is, you know, is it safe enough just to take what Moody's is looking at, the report synopsis they give you, as opposed to trying to deal with, uh, with metrics? Well, you have to look at the history of Moody's and S&P credit reports. And that's what he's talking about here, folks, is the ratings that these ratings agencies are giving to the debt that is issued on these large companies like Chevron, uh, for example. And they range from uh, D to uh, AAA. And, you know, going back to Lehman in 2008, Lehman was rated AAA. You know, there was a lot, there were a lot of companies in a lot of debt structures back then that should never have been rated investment grade, but were. And many of them went bankrupt, were severely impaired, etc. So while it's a good starting point, and that's how we use it, right? It's a good starting point. But for us, and when we're investing for clients, we're not just relying solely on the Moody's or S&P reports. Especially because some of the best risk versus reward in the corporate bond market are just below the investment grade. Double B, double B plus, that area. Where if you are smart enough and you understand industries that they operate in, you understand the growth dynamics of the company or the industry, maybe a little bit better than Moody's, then you can find some good bargains. In this environment, it's frankly, it's more difficult. Um, but to answer your question, it's both. I would not rely on Moody's and S&P, just like I would not rely just on debt to equity ratios or interest coverage ratios. That's part of it. And that's also part of S&P and Moody's process as well. So you have to bring a little bit different viewpoint than they're coming at it with. And maybe you can come to a better and more accurate conclusion because history says that, you know, they're not always right. So don't take them as gospel either. Now let's keep the pace moving and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. Thanks for taking my call on the show. Love the show. I had a question about Kinder Morgan Inc. K M I 
I purchased a position in it a while ago. I think it's about six months ago. And it seems to have trended basically sideways all of that time. Initially, I bought it because I was thinking with the energy sector potentially going up and the dividend, it would be a, a good investment. Um, but I'm not too happy with its performance so far, and I was wondering if you could let me know if, if I should stay in it or sell it off. Thanks. All right, look at Kinder Morgan. This used to be a limited partnership, a uh, uh, massive limited partnership. Now it just is a normal corporation because of uh, rules around that type of corporate structure. But they are a natural gas transportation and storage service company here in the U.S. Large, $36 billion market cap. Revenues and earnings have been trending down since before the pandemic, and that's a struggle here. And if you look at their debt profile, they have a decent amount of debt on their balance sheet. So that's a bit worrisome. But their cash flow remains relatively robust. $2.8 billion in free cash flow over the trailing 12 months on a $36 billion market cap. That's a decent yield, yeah, probably 6 7%. But it's relatively high risk. Uh, I will say I like it. But when it comes to natural gas transportation and storage services, we like others within the space. So, and that have done a lot better over the past six months than this. So while I like the space, it's not best in class for me. And so I would be doing a little more research. Once again, I can never recommend a particular company, but do a little more research within the space and I guarantee you're going to find better opportunities. Let's go to Noel in Napa. He's looking at Deutsche Bank. Uh, hello, Justin. Yeah, I own uh, Deutsche Bank. Uh, it's a small position. I've had it for over a year. The bank has had, uh, in uh, quite a, some time ago, they've had uh, a lot of bad management. Uh, they've made a lot of management changes. But, uh, you know, uh, if, if you owned it, what would you do with it, and when would you do it? <laughs> hmm. I probably, there's a couple of pros and cons with this, right? Pro is interest rates are rising. That tends to be good for banks. Another pro is that this is foreign domicile, right? It's the, one of the largest European banks. And if the dollar continues to decline, that's going to give some tailwinds when it comes to the price of shares in dollars, right? Because most of the revenue is denominated in other currencies, like the euro especially. So those are a couple of the positives. The negative is it has been a very poorly run bank for a long period of time, and they're currently going through restructuring. And restructurings often take a long period of time. So I'm going to say I would be using the strength to sell it and find better run Financial service companies, not necessarily banks. I still don't love the banking industry, but I like parts of the financial service industry. And so that's what I would be doing is swapping this out for something that is in the financial services, but not in the banking business. Thanks for the call, Noel. Let's go to Joel in, or Joe in Alameda. He's looking at Constellation Brands. 
Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I've owned I've owned Constellation for a couple of years now, and uh, as a reopening play, I'm just curious um, what your thoughts are on the stock. I I'm looking to add a little bit to my position. I actually did a couple couple weeks ago on a dip, but uh, your, your thoughts on the uh, company and uh, the valuation currently? Well, from a valuation perspective, I would say it is about fairly valued. It's not cheap. It's not expensive, to be honest with you. But as a reopening play and looking at the history of profitability of the business, this is a very good company. Return on investment capital tends to average in the low to mid-teens over the past decade or so, which is solid. Return on equity closer to the mid to high teens, so I like that. The, the debt levels are modest and actually have been coming down over the past few years. Free cash flow continues to ride to new highs, trailing 12 months, $2.2 billion on a market cap of $4.2 billion. So roughly a 5% free cash flow yield, which is, once again, not expensive, not cheap. So I think it's a fairly valued, very good company. And so if you're more focused on finding and holding good companies longer term, this is the name for you. Once again, not super cheap, but a very good profitable company with great with a great business and great cash flow. So I like it, and the valuation is just kind of okay. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. It's now official. We have crossed over the 30 million download mark in the history of the Invest Talk podcast. And while most of our listeners are here in the U.S., we have podcast fans all across the world. The majority of them are downloading through the Apple ecosystem, through the, the, uh, the podcast app. 7% come from desktop PCs. So Steve and I thank you for downloading InvestTalk, for telling your friends and family about our free investing and finance podcast. Please call, keep the calls, questions, and emails coming in. We love them all. And, of course, we're, you are welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We would love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast, the February Rapid Fire Hour. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hello, my name is Chris calling from Bakersfield. I actually used to live in Irvine, so great to discover you guys on Spotify today. I have a question in regards to how financial experts set price targets. Uh, for instance, somebody like Kathy Wood has a price target of, I believe, $5,000 or something for Tesla, 
whereas other experts have more conservative price targets. I mean, what factors go into that, or is it just a guess? I'm just curious about how most people calculate a price target. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, you know, I th- you have to throw out Kathy Wood. Kathy Wood, uh, you know, just look at the ARK funds. She's the head of ARK Investing, and you know, those those have, ETFs have done great as people have bought into the story stocks, and now that that trade it looks to be toast. These funds are down dramatically. I think uh, ARKK is down something like 30% from its highs. And, you know, she has absurd valuations uh, on a lot of her uh, the stocks. And they're just crazy growth projections that really make no sense for the most part. And so you can't use her as an example. She's just out of her mind. Uh, and uh, but when it comes to your average Wall Street analyst, you know, what they're doing is they're talking to the CEO, the CFO management of these these companies and getting an idea of where business is headed, uh, understanding the whole industry and making projections going forward on earnings and and sales. And so typically what they're doing is simple multiple projections, right? The average company within the industry is trading at, I'm just using numbers here, 20 times earnings, okay? Well, this company probably earns a little bit of a premium or a discount based on X, Y, and Z, right? So let's say I expected to trade for 25 times earnings because of that perceived premium because of the better brand, better management, whatever it is, right? And then they're going to utilize their projections for earnings going forward the next year, two years, and create that, create that multiple. If they're going to make a dollar 25 times, it's projected to be $25 stock. Okay. That is how most of the street is making their price projections. And a lot of them are after the fact. So the bottom line is ignore the price projections because it's just the best guess. Okay. So don't use your, these analyst price projections. They're guessing as well as you are. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in right now at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. My name is Tyler. So I was calling in to ask about a particular stock, ticker SWN. It's Southwestern Gas. Now, I've followed the company for a number of years. They're a leading staple producer of uh, gas energy and electricity in multiple markets in the southwestern United States. I've noticed finally that the stock has made a breakaway, increasing 70% over the last three months and 173% over the last year, even defying the bearish market we hit in March of 2020. And I was trying to understand why such the breakaway all of a sudden after they've produced a 5 to 6% dividend consistently over the last five years. Thank you. I appreciate your insight. Hmm. That last comment makes me wonder, because I don't see any dividend on Southwestern Energy but this is a company that is doing fairly well over the past uh, year, 52-week low. 
is a dollar six. Now it's at three seventy nine, three dollars and seventy eight cents at the close today. And it's it does explore for oil and natural gas primarily in Arkansas, Texas, and Pennsylvania. So uh, a shale producer typically, and they do have a lot of debt. And that's why they fell so dramatically in March, right? When oil prices went negative, uh, any company with a bad balance sheet or a stretched balance sheet was hurt most of all. And has also had some of the best, the biggest rallies uh, in the sector as a whole also. Now this year, it's supposed to make 84 cents, 30, 83 cents next year, so not a lot of earnings growth but really going to be driven by the price of oil and natural gas. And that's what you're seeing here is oil and natural gas and commodities in, in general are, are simply over the past six months or so started to outperform the overall market as a whole. And this is going along with it. So that's really what it is. Uh, the Remember, commodities, can they move with their own supply demand dynamics, and certainly the underlying economic activity has an impact on that. But... That typically is only supply, or excuse me, demand. Supply is also another factor. In this industry, oil and gas, the supply is starting to wane a bit after about a year of not much investment in new production. And that's starting to catch up with the industry as a whole. So while I like the natural gas space, Southwestern is not my favorite, but that's why you're starting to see this relative breakout and outperformance. Now I can squeeze in one more caller question here, so let's get right to 888-99 chart. Hey Stephen Justin, this is Diego here from North Hollywood. Uh, I got a question about the company BLNK Blank. Um, bought the stock and around $7, it's ran up to like 50, over 50 now. Sold about uh, three quarters of my position. When it hit 60, you know, got a little bit left. Not sure if I should sell the remaining or just kind of hold on to it and see what happens. Would love to know what you think about it. Thanks, Bye. All right, this is Blink Charging. It is down now to 2862 at the close today, down 55% from its 52 week high. Now you sold it pretty well, about $60. Well, the 52 week high is only 64.50. So, and that was only up there for about a day or two around that 60 level. So, uh, a great sell on three quarters of it. And frankly, I would just dump the rest. You're talking about a $1.2 billion market cap in a company that's only doing roughly a million dollars in revenue per quarter. Yes, you heard that right. A million dollars in revenue, not profits, losing money. Expect to lose money for the foreseeable future. And yes, they own and operate electric vehicle charging stations nationwide. But I think it's going to be a competitive space. It clearly is not a profitable endeavor at the current time because of the lack of volume. And so not a company that I want to invest in and is going to struggle in a time when story stocks are no longer the flavor anymore. Uh, certainly, you could get a counter trend bounce in the space over the, the near term, the next month or two or three. But I, I firmly believe that that is that's over. So you need to start focusing on companies with earnings. And you made a great trade, but time has passed. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasy and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. 
which they can find at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. And I encourage you to rate and review us. We appreciate it. And we post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which includes at 5 p.m. Pacific time, just in case you didn't know, but that's how we do it. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 